You're listening to the Option Alpha Podcast from OptionAlpha.com, where we show you how to make smarter trades, learn how the stock market really works, and generate consistent monthly income. Now, your host and head trader at OptionAlpha.com, Kirk Duplessis. Hey everyone, this is Kirk here again at OptionAlpha.com, working every single week to make this the most popular investing podcast offered in iTunes and online because it's based on one thing and one thing only, and that's helping you make smarter trades. So thanks so much for tuning in today, and we've got another great episode. This is actually part two of Options Trading Taxes with our CPA here, Brandon Hall, uh, which we have on the line. And again, if you missed part one, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to that show first. Then you can come back here. We're going to be doing a three-part series with Brandon, taking all of your questions that you've sent in about taxes and trading and everything and kind of breaking them down into these three segments. So part number one was show 38. So you can just go to optionalpha.com slash show 38 and then get all the show notes for that page on the show notes page and all the questions that Brandon asked uh, there. And there's a lot of comments that people actually asked inside of that show notes. And then Brandon was also really good about going back in and kind of adding responses and details to it. So if you've got additional questions, definitely reach out to us on the show notes page. Uh, this show will be show 46. So optional com slash show 46 or you can reach out to brandon directly at hallcpa.com is that right brandon that's right yeah yeah hallcpa.com and we'll have that all linked up in the show notes as well so without further ado brandon welcome back to the show man hey kirk thanks for having me good so, to be here a second time right good and i'm glad we got this done now it's, we're now past tax season we tried to kind of work yeah. it in before but you were kind of slammed with stuff and so were we so so let's get right into it and start asking uh and answering some more questions so Question number one that we had from people sending in is, and this is, it was kind of a similar question that people asked across the board, but what do you think every options trader or stock trader or any trader really should know when it comes to protecting their earnings from taxes? So are there things that everybody should be doing that they're not? Or like, what are the top things that everybody should know when it comes to protecting earnings? Yeah. So by trader, I'm assuming that we're making active trades. Really the the standard advice is going to be watch out for the wash sales, right? I mean, anytime that you are doing any sort of active trading, you might Google around and wash sales become a big, huge deal that you have to learn about. It can be extremely confusing. So that's like the standard advice. Watch out for the wash sales. Don't get hit by the wash sales. But I'm going to take it a little bit further and I'm going to say, if you're trading inside of an IRA or a retirement account and you're also trading in your personal name, then you have to be really careful about the wash sale rules. And basically the reason for this is that if you're trading in your personal name and you you initiate a position in security or an option, you sell it and then you buy it back, but you buy it back in your IRA, that actually triggers the wash sale rules because the IRA is considered a related party to you. It's basically an extension of your arm. And what happens is you've moved your cost basis from your personal your, your personal portfolio into the IRA. The IRA is already tax deductible, so we don't really want to do something like this. Because at the end of the day, if the IRA were to liquidate, were to close out that position, they don't get a tax write-off for the loss that's being transferred into that IRA. So... I guess the top thing that I would say for investors, traders that are actively trading and trading in a retirement account is to just be very careful about buying back securities that you've sold in your personal name. 
the wash sale, you know, inside of the first part segment that we did with you. And again, that's show 38. But what you're saying is like, just again, be cognizant of how you buy them back and when you buy them back. But, and then one of the things that we do here as traders a lot on option alpha is we'll sell an option and then buy back later for a profit. So we'll buy back later at a lower premium. So is that not what we should be doing? Is that what you're saying? Like, is that like, can you help bring some context around like what you said with, you know, don't buy it back later? Yeah, absolutely. So when you're saying that you're buying these options, selling them and then buying them back later, what's the time period between selling them and then buying them back? Real key point is that what we do is we will sell an option or sell a spread, like any type of, you know, I guess classified spread that, you know, FinRun everything, you know, acknowledges and we'll buy back that spread or that option. And sometimes it may be the next day where we actually buy back, but sometimes it may be 30, 40 days out, you know, that we actually buy back. I think our average holding time right now on our performance page is about 26 days. Okay. Yeah. So if you're trading the same security and you are trading these securities within a 30 day window of each other, then yeah, that's going to trigger the wash sale rule. So if you're recognizing any losses on these trades, the losses are actually just going to accumulate in those future buys, essentially. So you're never actually going to be able to realize the losses until you stop trading for a period of 30 days. Good to understand. And I think the clarification here is because I don't want to look, I mean, I don't want people to say like, oh, well, we can't be doing this. It's just that if you happen to be doing this and you're, let's say you're trading SPY, which is a major market ETF, and you're trading it and you're going in and out in a 30-day period and you keep doing that without having a 30-day time lapse, then you can't roll over any losses or count any losses on your taxes. But as soon as that 30-day period expires and you don't trade SPY for 30 days, then you're good to go, right? Right, exactly. And okay. let's say that you might have like a, a watch list or so of, of five to 10 securities that you like trading the options of. If Apple issues securities, Apple securities are different from Google securities. So I can sell Apple and go and buy Google the next day and that's not going to trigger the watch sale rules. It's only when you're when the underlying asset is the same. And that's totally good because what we always talk about here and like we're actually seeing right now where, where there's just low market volatility. This is May 10th when we're actually recording this with me and you. And right now, one of the areas that has high volatility that we're really active in trading is silver and gold. But that's not going to be that way for the rest of the year. So we may be really active trading silver and gold right now, but I doubt we're going to be active in the same 30-day window all year. So eventually, if we did have any losing trades, which actually thankfully we don't in gold and silver right now, then we would be able to roll those over. And I think you know, what I also want to just like really stress with people on this is that with this wash sale rule, it's not that the wash sale, sale rule means that you can't count losses. It just means that you might have to defer them to the next year or period, depending on when you have them, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, too, there are things that we can do. So I guess the key here, if you are actively trading, is don't wait until January to run all of this by your CPA. Like this needs to be done in November so that the CPA can say, okay, this is the strategy going into December. This is what we're going to do. For instance, I had a couple of guys that I helped this past year. We developed a strategy and basically said, you have to close out of these positions in December and just don't buy back into the same positions until February of next year. So even though it's technically in wash sale territory, we still get to count the losses in 2015 because 
they're not trading again until February, which is outside of that 30 day window. So it's just like little things like that, that if you wait until it's too late, you can't adjust, you can't benefit. Awesome. Well, that's good. And definitely, you know, like I said, if everyone's listening, you want to learn more about the wash sale rule because it is complicated and we get into it a little bit deeper in uh, show 38, which was part one here with Brandon. All right. So question number two that a lot of people had are, are we taxed on the gains only when we withdraw funds or every year, regardless of any withdrawals in our account? Yeah. So that, that's a good question. And I guess it kind of depends also on who we're talking about as a trader. So many of well, I don't want to make that assumption. Who's your client base? Is your client base generally like the non-professional traders? So they have like a day job and they're doing this on the side? Most people are doing this on the side. Most people are doing this having either full or part-time jobs. So, you know, they're trading. I think our average account size last time we did a survey of our members was like $110,000 was like, which is actually really high for an average account size for our members. Mm-hmm. But um, But that's about the average size. Okay. Okay, great. Yeah. So then in that case, most of your listeners will be subject to taxation whenever they close their position. So you can you can do the craziest option scheme that you want to do, but you're not actually going to be taxed on the proceeds until you close out of those positions. On the other hand, if you're using mark-to-market accounting, which is more of the professional trader, that's going to be where you are taxed at the end of the year based on the current value of your of your holdings. So you don't actually have to close out of those positions to be taxed on the gain or to benefit from the loss. 99.9% of people are going to be taxed when the gains actually happen or the losses actually happen and it's going to happen immediately. You know, like well like it'll accumulate in your account whatever that, you know, basis is for the end of the year. Right, right. Okay. All right, so question number 3 is is there any way to deduct trading commissions? as an expense item, because we know that that's a big thing. Like these, some of these brokers out there are charging and we, we pay a really low rate. I think our rates 125 per contract or 120 per contract right now. But a lot of brokers out there in the options trading space are charging, you know, four or $5 a contract. And so commissions really add up. So can we deduct trading commissions? Yeah. Four to $5 a contract. That's, that's expensive. <laughs> Yeah, Actually, there's, so, there's probably a lot out there that are charging. Yeah, probably even higher than that when like you factor in like ticket fees and all that. Oh man, that can really add up. Yeah, that and this is also a great question. So what I would encourage you to do is to pull up a previous statement or when, whenever you buy into or whenever you initiate your next trade, take a look at the cost basis of that trade, and you're going to see. I would assume, unless your broker is doing something weird you're going to see the commissions built in to those open positions. So the commissions are not, they're not like a currently deductible expense, if that makes sense. You get to benefit from the commission expense whenever you close out because it, it raises the cost basis of your position. So if you initiated a position for $10 and the commission was $1, your cost basis in the position is going to be $11. So if you sell it for 12 you're only looking at a $1 gain, not a $2 gain. It's actually, I mean, it's a good thing. So like the end result is you can't deduct it as a line item, right? Like you can't write off and say, oh, well, I had, you know, $2,000 of commissions, but it is factored into your cost basis. So like you said, if you bought something for $10, you paid a dollar commission, then you sold it for 15, your cost basis is still 11. So you might think that you made $5, but you know, after your commission costs, you only made four. So it's going to factor in the fact that you did have to pay commission to get in there. 
Right, exactly. I mean, you you don't lose out. It's it's always there. And it's the same way, even if you're just trading stocks, it's not just options. Just I, I would just encourage your listeners to take a look at your statement next time that you initiate a position. And you should see the commissions added in there. If you don't, give me a call. <laughs> yeah, I think most of them do. So, okay. So next question is, is it true that brokers do not report option trades on their 1099Bs? Yeah, so this was actually an interesting one. I was doing a little bit of research on this because I wasn't 100% sure. But what I found was that there were regulations that were initiated in 2014 that basically said, yes, brokers need to be reporting option proceeds, option losses on your 1099Bs. So if that's not happening, I believe Bank of America last time, last time I checked, Bank of America was one of them that doesn't actually do this. And I'm not sure how they get around it because they're supposed to, especially with equity don't options. Don't have a lot of customers, I think. Is the, yeah, <laughs> well, that's probably. I'm sure they. At least on the options trading side, I doubt very pretty much anybody trades with them. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's true too. But yeah, they should be reporting the proceeds. I believe the only the only options that you don't have to report the proceeds on are compensatory options like ISOs and ESOs. So I think the thing is, is that most of them are reporting now, so it should be in your 1099Bs. And again, if they aren't, you just call Brandon and he'll, you know, track them down. Yeah. Um, okay. So I, another question that somebody had, but I, I don't know if we want to, you know, necessarily cover this again in detail because we talked about it before was on the wash sale. So we're going to skip that. The other question that somebody had, and, and really this is our last kind of major question for this, you know, segment or part that we're doing here is what do most options traders or, or I guess investors in general, like where do they leave money on the table or where do they expose themselves to unnecessary tax obligations? And we talked about of like the wash sale thing already. So are there other things that people do or like they're not doing or, or maybe they should be doing something different and just kind of like leave themselves open to a bigger tax bill? I don't, I don't really think so. I mean, if you're a professional trader, there's a lot, there's a lot more that you have to deal with. But like just for the part-time guys, there's not a whole lot out there. I mean, the wa- the wash sale is the big one that you need to watch out for. Some other things that you can deduct as like business expenses or investment expenses would be like cost of newsletters or financial subscriptions, legal and advisory fees related to your investments, and then also interest expense. I actually see a lot of people who are trading on margin will not deduct or or forget that they can deduct the interest expense related to the margin. So that's something, I guess that's kind of where they leave money on the table. I think all the little things add up, you know, like that's really what it is. And so let me ask you this question. Cause I, and this wasn't on our list here tonight, but I know that people often ask like if they're working a full-time job and then also trading on the side, are they able to deduct anything like home office expense, internet expense, like platform fees, like some brokers charge platform fees, like, can you deduct anything in that field as related to your kind of part-time you know, job here trading options? So you can really only do that if you are able to qualify as a trader, which we I think we touched on last time what, what that means. But basically, if you work a full-time job and you, you generate a substantial amount of your income from that full-time job – then you're not really going to qualify as a trader. I think actually I was, so I was refreshing my, my uh, notes on trading or, or what qualifies as a trader. And I found today that there's only one court case where a professional with a full-time job was audited and convinced the IRS and the tax court 
that they qualified as a trader. So wow, the, the odds are stacked against you. So the reality uh, is, is that you really can't do it unless you're doing it full time. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, the IRS kind of reserves the trader status for a professional trader. And those are the guys that can deduct those business expenses on Schedule C, like the home office and uh, the other things that you mentioned. Well, Brandon, man, thank you so much. I know this has been um, definitely a jam-packed session. We'll be doing another part for everyone out there that's listening. So definitely subscribe and uh, you know follow along. We'll try to get Brandon on back here in the next couple shows. And definitely, if you have more questions that you didn't hear us cover today in the episode, please head on over to the show notes page, optionalpha.com slash show 46. Um, that'll be where all the questions and answers are posted from today's show. And again, Brandon will try to jump in there now and then as his schedule permits to answer questions that you guys might have. So Brandon, again, thank you so much for uh, jumping on the call with us here today and helping answer questions about taxes. Yeah. Thank you, Kirk. I, I love this. This is great. Thanks for listening to the Option Alpha podcast. If you liked what you heard, please drop by iTunes and leave a rating or comment. Plus, you can get everything. Free email updates for future shows, transcripts, video tutorials, case studies, and more. Just visit our website at optionalpha.com. All right, so I truly hope you guys enjoyed today's show with Brandon and at least got one thing out of it that you can apply right now to make you a smarter more profitable trader and investor. I know that taxes can be sometimes confusing, a little scary or frightening, but the reality is, is that we have to deal with them. And these are tough topics to cover. And hopefully we're doing a good job here in breaking down some of these uh, questions that you guys have been submitting. And again, we still have one more part in our three-part segment here with Brandon. So if you didn't get your question answered, or if you have a new question that you'd like to hear answered on the show, please head on over to the show notes page for part two here, which is optionalpha.com slash show 46. That's just the number 46, optionalpha.com slash show 46. Make sure that you post your question to the show notes page there, and we'll make sure that we get that question added into the queue for our next segment with Brandon. Until next time, happy trading.